Good morning, church. So, I just want to thank you for putting up with me last week. <laughs> Spiritual maturity does not come with age. It comes with walking in the Lord. I just wanted to recap what we talked about last Sunday. We saw that the old self, what it does to our flesh, it basically destroys in each and every possible way. After we receive the new life or we come to the knowledge of saving grace, when we become born again, we are required to speak only truth, for we are members of one another. That begins with our own families first. That means we have to speak truth. A husband should speak truth to the wife, wife in the same manner. The parents should speak truth to the, their children, and the children should speak truth to their parents. And then, once we begin there, then we can move on to the larger sense, that is the body of believers. Because the believers begin in the family, and the, you know, of course, the house of God next. So, we also found out last week that flesh has no control over the spirit. But, the spirit has control over the flesh. Because, um, we saw how the old covenant was related to the flesh, and the new covenant was related to the spirit. Since we are the new covenant believers, we are controlled by the spirit of the Lord. So as we are going through a series of one another, we will see today how whatever we do in this flesh, it affects the spirit that is living inside of us. You see, the Christianity, the world the people of this world are carnally minded people. So when they, what they do is, they um, allocate Christianity as one of the slices on the pie. When I mean pie, is the world religions. In that religion or on that pie, there is, for example, like, you know, a communism, socialism, atheism, Marxism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and all these isms, and then they try to fit in Christianity next to the slice of that. It doesn't fit. Because that Christianity, to be honest, is not of this world. Jesus is not of this world. His teaching is not of this world. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 18, verse 36, while he was standing under trial in front of Pilate, Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. So if his kingdom is not of this world, his teaching is not of this world, his word is not of this world, he himself is not of this world, what are we? We too are not of this world. So we have to understand and grasp this truth. We just cannot live off the flesh and the lies of the flesh. So that is very important for us to understand how we desire our lives and how we walk in the spirit. Like I said in the beginning, spiritual maturity does not come with age. It comes with walking in the Lord. We have to examine ourselves how we are walking in, him, in himself. Because there is a purpose for which the Spirit has been sent into us. As it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, and 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. We are the temple of the living God, or the, His Spirit lives inside of us. If His Spirit is living inside of us, what kind of temple are we? 
with broken windows and broken doors. We cannot have, we cannot allow those kind of things. So, today, I'm going to, let's, before I, uh, I'm going to give you an analogy, and I'm going to break it up later on during the, as we go deeper. The analogy is that, think of this one person who is a mountain climber. And the mountain climber wants to climb a mountain. I'm not talking about inclined mountain. I'm talking about a steep mountain. That means vertically up. So what we do is, this mountain climber, he's going to have, first of all, he needs some tools, right? First of all, even before the tools, he want, he, we have to make sure this climber has fit to climb that mountain. Because not everybody can get up to that, those heights. So he needs a harness, a harness of rope. So he's going to tie one end of his harness to, you know, to his body. And there's the other end of the harness, it's going to be anchored in top of the mountain. The goal of the climber is to reach to the top of the mountain or the peak of the mountain. So this is, I'm going to leave it right there, right? I'm going to come back and retouch it again. Before we get into the word of God, let's bow down for a brief a second, few seconds and seek the Lord's grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and what you have done in our lives. Father, give us the discerning spirit so that we may distinguish between good and bad and right and wrong. For you are the author of our faith, Heavenly Father, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. So give us that mind, Lord. And as your servant is releasing your word, give me the anointing to release no more and no less of your words, Lord. These things we ask in Jesus' precious name, mighty God. Amen. So, Let's open up our Bibles, or you can follow the slide, which is going to be up there. We are going to start, look into the chat, uh, as we are continuing from the previous week, we studied uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, and we studied verse 25. We basically touch, and it explains what it means to be, receive a new life, and what it means to put off lying and speak truth to one another, for we are members of one another. So, we, we, we touched that. Now, today, we're going to read three verses from the same chapter, starting at verse 30. 30. And here, it's, it goes like this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And in the next slide, we continue. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That means you and I, you know. So, if to, I just wanted to just basically touch and give you some points. So, let's, let's go to the, uh, the first verse, what is Paul is writing here. Basically... Apostle Paul or Saint Paul, he's exhorting the believers at the church of Ephesus. He's encouraging, says, hey folks, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is, when we accepted Christ into our life, on the day that is called the day of justification, it is always a past tense. We cannot get back. Once we claim that we have been justified, by God. That is why it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. By grace we have been saved through faith. It is not by our own works. But it is simply the grace of God. So this is what the scripture speaks, speaks to us. So here Paul is explaining once again. Do not grieve. Let's, let me give you the definition of what it means to grieve. To grieve someone means to cause someone to go into distress. 
or to cause someone to sorrow or to cause someone to weep. So this is what here Paul is telling. Do not allow the spirit that is living inside of you and he's been kept for you until the day of redemption. Are we fully redeemed right now? No, we are not fully redeemed because there is this flesh that we are still living. So there is an age early, Jason was praying about it for this coming. So when that coming happens, we, it's called the age of consummation. At that time, we will be represented by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will present our, us to the, His Father. Here is the son, here is the daughter that you have asked me to choose. Today I am presenting it to Faultless. We are for, to be faultless for that reason. That how, you know, what kind of life should we be living on this earth at this present time? We cannot be faltering always, you know. Yes, we are in flesh. There is a fleshly thing that causes our life to ang- you know, cause, do some things which we are going to study in a minute or two. So, we, the first question that I want to ask is, what happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? This is the question that we need to ask every day. Because we, many of us here, or at least we call ourselves believers, right? We call because we believe. That's what Acts, uh, Acts 16 you know, uh, talks about. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will, you will be saved. So we believe what Christ has done in our lives. So that is why we are believers. So from that point, once we do that... Now, uh, w- when we grieve, as I told you the definition... Now, what happens is when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we quench the Holy Spirit. So what it means, means quenching the Spirit means we're going to put, try, put Him down, you know, put Him down. Because what happens is when we put Him down, He is not, a, not able to accomplish the work He has started in our lives. And then thereby what happens is He is going to slow down. So, the, you know, so as born again believers, we should be fully aware not to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. So that leads to my first point. Whenever we grieve the Holy Spirit, believers' growth is stunted. You see, what happens is, we are our own problem. We are, you know, we cause ourselves not to grow in Christ. See, Christ, for a reason, He has sent the Holy Spirit, when He ascended to heaven, he, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Promise. When you read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, He was sealed. He sealed means He's not put in an airtight container and sealed. When He means sealed means He has been sealed of approval that you are selected for His kingdom. That is coming very soon. So that is what we are. So we are registered at that point. You know, we are registered citizens of heaven. So at that point, we, so we cannot allow other things to happen. So when these things happen, you know, so um, I want to open up the analogy that I spoke. So here I want to give you this analogy is the climber who is in top shape, he is the believer in, in Christ. Okay, now he has this rope tied to his harness and the other end of the harness is anchored into the top of the mountain. The rope... Don't quote me on this. I'm not saying Holy Spirit is rope, okay? But I'm just giving an analogy. Just think about it. It gives us a better understanding. So what happens is we take, as a climber, we hold on to the rope. And then we climb up. We climb up. We climb. Our intention, basically, the climber's intention is to focus, zero in on the top of the mountain. That is what his goal. He has been working. He has been practicing. He has been, you know, everything is good. Then he holds on to the thing. 
But then down the road, halfway through, he starts to turn to the right and starts to turn to the left. And then what happens is, by when he does that, he loses, he defocuses his whatever he's looking there. So uh, Joshua 1, verse 7 says, God is speaking to Joshua and he's saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Because when we are, whenever we turn to the right or to the left, we lose focus on God himself. Thereby what happens is we lose our grip. Here we are clinging on to the rope. That is what the purpose of the rope is. We have to cling on to the rope, never to leave the rope. And whenever we lose the grip of the rope, we down, we fall down. Sometimes we fall so all the way to bottom, we have to start all over again. So by doing that, what happens is we lose a certain amount of time. We could have been a lot better in our relationship with our God. Instead, we decide, we start, you know, we have done this and that. So I'm going to explain you what, uh, what happens. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that I want to mention before we go that far is, God expects His children to grow exceedingly and abundantly. Right? He expects us to grow in Him exponentially, like steep growth. You know, He just shoot directly into His growth. Right? The, he wants us to flourish. Because when we read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, there is a great benediction that is mostly used by pastors before sending out people. But also we can apply the same verse to our lives. Here it says, right, uh, I'm going to read uh, Ephesians, uh, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that, that works in us. So here God wants us to. That's what the blessing is all about. He, when the pastor blesses. He expects you to grow. Receive that power. Exceedingly abundantly. That means limitless. But here. What happens is. When we go home. When we go home. I'm going to go back to slide number 10. Here what's, we go to the next verse. Let all bitterness. Wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Be put away. From you with all malice. To open that up. I'm going to put another slide. I just made it. Slide 11. Because the fleshly nature carries bitterness. Anger. Clamor. That is shouting loudly and uncontrollably. And, uh, and slander to make damaging statements. Along with malice. Intention to do evil. Now th- this is not an exhaustive list that Paul wrote. You know if you read. One verse about verse 30. Here Paul is stating, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. He's clearly mentioning now what it means to corrupt. What, the, what is the meaning of corruption? Corrupt means anything that affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit is corruptness. You cannot allow corrupt talk all these the things that I just mentioned. Besides that, there are countless number of other things that are mentioned. If you go back and read from the book of Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 3, here Satan, when, God, when our Lord went to wilderness, you know, the chapter 4 begins with Jesus going to the wilderness, the mountain of wilderness. So while he is there fasting for 40 days, the Satan comes and attacks him, saying, if you are really the Son of God, please... I mean, he doesn't say please, but convert these stones or rocks into bread. He says that in verse 3. But here, Jesus replied, this is the first preaching that he preaches to Satan, not to the members, you and me. He preaches, he said, God, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here, Jesus did not say some words from the God or a few words from God. Here and there, you can pick words. Because Jesus exactly knew what he was saying. He said, you, you are not to. You are, if you are my son, if you are my daughter, you are to speak and live not just by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is true. Because that is how we have to practice. We cannot just climb, take the rope up, and then keep on, you know, without any practice, without anything. We have to live, because when we go halfway, the rope is the only thing that we have. We cannot take a break. You cannot just say, okay, I'm going to take, you know, watch my, to my right, there is a beautiful tree or a beautiful bird on my left. You know, that's not what you do. Because these are distractions on to your left and right. Our focus straight up to the cross. You know, that is what we are. And then, whenever we enter into the presence of the Lord, many times we enter with murmuring and, you know, do this, you know, this. We are like half-hearted. You know, we are not entering into His presence with fully asking God what we need. You see, the Bible, the New Testament is full of Jesus performing miracles. But not only that... He fed 4,000 people. He fed 5,000 people. He he did so many things. Everything that Jesus did, did it according to the will of his Father. So when we enter into the presence of the Lord, you could say today, Dear Lord, I want to feed the 5,000. There is nothing wrong because that is according to the will of the Father. When Jesus was doing those things, he was asking, doing it according to his Father's will. You and I are in Christ. So we also, we can ask the same thing. What, when I mean five, feeding the 5,000, it is not the bread. You can tell Lord, to, Lord, I want to feed you through your gospel. I want to feed the 5,000. Lord, I want to feed the 10,000 people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to feed a million people. Whether God answer according to his own time and will, that's his, you know, his thing. But we can ask these kind of things. Then we are in line with what God wants us to do. See, that is what in Matthew chapter 28, verse you know, 18, 19, 20. Here it says the Great Commission. He wants us to make go and make disciples. But there are times we are tied up. We cannot go, but we can still pray that the gospel can be sent out to reach out 5,000 people or 10,000 or a million. For God, nothing is impossible. We serve a mighty God. You know, in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, here it says, For God, is there anything impossible? You know, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, With God, all things are possible. Yes. You know, there is no, He's a limitless, with limitless amount of power, limitless amount of grace, limitless amount of mercy. He can give it to us if it is according to His will and His purpose. So His purpose for us to make, be, make disciples on this earth. So that is what the whole purpose is. So, you know, that's what, you know, uh, one other thing also I want to uh, just quote is, uh, to add to this, in, we read the next chapter of Ephesians chapter 5. Here, if Paul writes, be imitators of God. You know, we are to imitate God. But how many of us have seen God? Literally nobody seen, except Jesus himself, nobody else has seen God. But Jesus said in John 10 verse 30, I and my father are one. 
And John 14 verse 7, he said, If you know me, you have known the Father. If you have known me, you have, now you know him and you have seen him. So what Jesus did, we have to do the same things here. Because that's what we are called. A Christian life, like I said, even in my last weeks, we cannot... We sitting just watching things, you know, while we are doing, you know, other things. We lose our focus and we drop where we are halfway through and then we lose our, you know, thing and focus and we drop where we were and we begin all over our journey. Because at that time, the rope is not going to break and rope is not going to leave the body, but we are leaving the rope because that's what is happening in our lives today. So that's what happens is when we do that, we are stumbling. We have, I mean, we are stunting our growth. So we need understand that is not the way God wants us to grow in him. You know, that is what the the word of God teaches us. Now we go to the next point. Here we see, not only do we stunt our growth, now we become a stumbling block. We have, we many times, we are the ones who do do not allow God to progress in the advancement of his kingdom. You see, we have some, you know, I have some, you know, members of my body, so do everybody here. I'm just going to give you a simple example. Let's say my little pinky finger gets infected. All right. The next thing you know is this gets swollen. And then not only it affects this one, it affects the rest of the fingers, but it affects the entire body because there is a fight going on between the red cells, blood cells and the white blood cells. So there is a going on. And then eventually that all the thing goes to the mind. You know, it affects our brain. And the brain says, I'm a little bit confused here with whatever is happening. You know, then it raises our body temperature. The next thing we know is everybody is getting high fever. And then once we get to the high fever, then we got to put it, bring it down. Because now the entire body is slowing down. Now we got to take a blanket, you know, cover ourselves and, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm suffering from fever. That is a simple example. So what happens here is, for example, I'm going to quote you something in Matthew chapter from the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Here, Peter, Saint Peter, Apostle Peter, when he, you know, in verse 16, he just declares, he says, when Jesus asked him, who do you say the son of man is? He declares that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He, that means he said, you are the Christ means Messiah. You know, or the anointed one. He declared that he is the Messiah. Then as Jesus begins to continue his conversation, he says, Jesus begins to talk about upcoming trials and upcoming crucifixion. And immediately Peter says, don't you worry, Jesus, I'll take care of you. Nothing will happen to you. He tries to brag. You know, he says, he goes on advising king of kings and the lord of lords. He says, don't you worry, I'm here to take. Little did he understood that he's the, the lord of the creation. And then the next thing you hear in verse 23, Jesus says, I like the King James Version. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you have become a stumbling block. See, what happens is when we go into the prayer and we begin to advise God, what we need to do. You know, we say, you know, one of the passages, one of the parables that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. Here, on that day, Jesus said, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons? Have we not healed people? You know, then then you hear Jesus telling, depart from me, for I do not know you. You know why he said that? He said, when people go to him, they brag. Like as a believer, when I go to Jesus, Jesus, the other day I was there, prayed for two hours, you know. Can you believe that I did it two hours? You are not giving me anything, Lord. I've been praying for this matter for 25 years. You still have not answered. What's up, Jesus? 
That's what we ask. That's how we treat our Lord. We don't have any reverence. We don't understand the laws of spirituality. We don't understand the laws of heaven. You know, if ever I get another chance, I will speak on the tears of Jesus Christ. On that day, I would advise you to bring a box of tissues with you. Because that itself is so deep. Our Lord literally weeps. Because that is what grieving is called. Okay? So, so here, we cannot allow... You know, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we grieve that, the, uh, uh, the you know, Holy Spirit grieves. When Holy Spirit grieves, Jesus grieves. When Jesus grieves, Father grieves. They're all one in three and three in one. We cannot allow this to happen in our lives. Yes, there are so many folk, you know, the, you know we, we are drawn to some of the things of the world. But that's not what we are. You know, in First Peter 2 verse 11 says, Abstain the fleshly nerds, for we are sojourners and pilgrims. Our journey, we are on a journey embarking to another place. And if you are going on a journey, there will be so many hurdles. There are so many distractions. That's not what we are here for. If every Christian, every born again believer, the way we believe, as the scripture says, we would have the greatest Christianity. Everybody would flock and say, yes, yours is the true religion. Jesus is real. But you know what we have done? We have ashamed Christ. Because we, the way we do things, you know, there's so many things that we do. It puts God on the spot. Is that true? Because that's how they look at it. The world looks at it. Because they're all on the same pie. We are not on the same pie. We are looking at different things. You know, we are from a different world. Our, our, our you know, whole thing is different. So, so, that is what the whole thing is here. And now... We go to uh, the next slide because I really don't have the time. Uh, we, we're going to come to the next, uh, uh, come to the last verse here. That is, uh, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You know, in Ephesians 1, verse 7, in Him we have redemption. In Him we have redemption. In Acts 17, verse 28, in him we have our being. So if we have everything in Christ, why are we working other things in our lives? Because we need to understand the reason why Christ came into this world, you know, for, to begin with. And uh, to that, I love to go to the next point. That's my last and final point. Uh, God expressed his tangible love. You know how God expressed his tangible love? If you read the first two chapters of Genesis, here, God, there are some things God formed just by speaking. But just by saying, they came into effect. When he said, let there be light, the light showed up. You know, there are some things he said. But when it came to man, if you read Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, here, it says, God formed the man. God formed the man. That means he actually literally has to touch in order to make something. So basically he had to assess how much of dust is required to make Adam. See, these things are not mentioned in the commentaries or anywhere. You cannot find these things. God, if, if I am a chef, if I have to make a medium pizza, I need to know how much dough should I mix to make a medium size, not large, not small. So the chef assess, he knows exactly how much he needs to make so that a great pizza is going to come out. Not thin one, not thick one, you know, not, you know. So he needs to have, know this. And our God, that is what he did. He formed Adam 
And he made into the right shape. And then he says he breathed his breath into his nostrils. Then Adam came to life. You have to understand here, the very first two chapters, his love is ex- God expressed his love which was tangible. Since that point, God is expressing his love. And then when we come to the cross, God expressed his love tangible. Our God was literally laid on a cross. Literally, nails were hit into his hands. He was pierced for our transgressions. And then, not only that, prior to that, he roamed in the streets of Jerusalem, Galilee, Capernaum, you know, all these places. Literally, he walked and every time, you know, he touched people and he spoke to the people. He was so close. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, John himself writes, he was a disciple that loved Jesus loved the most and we even see a portrait of the last supper where John is leaning on to Jesus bosom so there is a contact whenever you know Paul ends he says greet one another with a holy kiss whenever we kiss somebody whenever we hug somebody we are expressing our love when we sometimes hear meet friends or greet somebody we give a hug immediately the touch the touch is great because the touch is unforgettable touch it is a touch we, we can feel the tangible. You know, that's what it's, God's love is all about. When we, God touches us, we forget everything. Two weeks ago, I had, a, um, I had one of my packages where the carrier was somehow delayed it. It was more than a couple of weeks. So what happened was, I was concerned why my, my package is not arrived on, on time. So one day, one morning, I, I, I said, okay, it's, it, it wasn't the, sh- you know, the companies who shipped fault. It was the carrier was carrying the package. Then I decided anyway, it was like around eight, nine-ish. I said, let me call the company and see what, if they can do anything. So I called. A sweet voice on the other side of the phone greeted me saying, good morning. How can I make your day better? And I was so concerned until then when she spoke that, Everything went away. I was like, completely like, what, what, what happened? Should I really even talk about my package now here? Because I was so pleased the way she expressed, sir, how can I make your day better? Look, I tell you something. Everybody who attends church on a Sunday service, we don't know what happened the night before. Perhaps the wife and husband got into an argument. Perhaps the children had an argument with their parents. Perhaps the children, parents had an argument with their children. But when they come here, when we greet them, Sir, ma'am, how can I make your day better? How nice would it be, right? We should make that as our model. You know, but, but, but apart from that, when we wake up in the morning, Jesus Christ, He's there. Because He's the watchman on the wall. In Psalm 18, Verse 1 and 2, he says, he's our high tower. His high tower means he's not only is a protection, but he's watching us when, while we are sleeping. And when we, he says, whenever he, we wake up, when we open up our eyes, Jesus is asking you and me, his children, he's saying, son and daughter, how can I make your day better? You know, we have to come into the same, when we wake up, tell Jesus, Lord Jesus, how can I make your day better? You know the day? According to John 16, verse 33, every day has its own trials and tribulations. Our Lord is so gentle. He's a very soft-spoken Lord. For example, in John 14, verse 1, He says, I am completely blown away every time I read this verse. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You have known the Father. You, you have believed in the Father. 
But he says the next verse, believe also in me. He's speaking to us in a low and still voice. He didn't say, believe in me. He's not commanding us to believe in him. But he's speaking to us in a low and still we, How can we reject Christ? That he's speaking to us like that. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he goes on to say, my father has many mansions. In some translations it says, many rooms. If I go there, I'm going to go there to prepare a place. If I go there to prepare a place, I'm coming back to receive you. So we have to be prepared because we are living in the times. I'm not predicting any dates. But every believer, we have to look for the blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says, we have to look for the blessed hope. Otherwise, we are not living the life of a Christian. We are completely a set apart people. We know First Peter 1 verse 16, Peter quotes God saying, be holy as I am holy. He's quoting the old you know, statement from God he's, when he spoke to the Israelites. Leviticus 19.2, I mean, uh, Exodus 3 verse 2. Here, God is speaking to Hebrews, be holy as I am holy. That means as I am set apart, you too make sure to set, be apart from the world. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35. You know, because we have to bank on all these verses. You know, why I'm going here, there, you might wonder. Because I'm trying to connect what it means. No matter which chapter you take, what chapter, you know, because the Bible is like a, a beautiful fruit to look at to begin with. And then no matter where you bite it, you will feel the sweetness that is coming out of the word of God. You know, Psalm 119, verse 103, it says, Your words are sweeter than honey. It is not true. Is it not true? The words of the word God are sweeter than honey? Because in those days, the honey was the sweetest thing. But now we have come across a new thing. Because our God is a God where He can, you know, give life to the dead. Romans 4, verse 17 says, Our God gives life to the dead, and He calls as though... It existed even though it didn't exist. So you and I, before we came to Jesus, we were called by God. We were dead. No life. But then he gave us the life. Not only he gave us the life. Once we were no people, now we have been made people. And we have been adopted into his kingdom. Ephesians, I mean, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Here, we have been given the spirit of the Father. That's why we are able to call him Abba. Our Father. So if we know all these things, we have how high, you know, because the power of God is so much. I'm telling you, you cannot contain in your body because the power is so much. When it hits you, it is a fire in your knees. You cannot really, you know, it's like you are so tight. You know, you know in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, he's a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy 4, 24, he says he's a consuming fire. He's also a jealous God. So he, we are dealing with the fire here. You know, it is appointed for man to die once and then judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27. It is a fearful thing to fall, dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10 verse 31. So we cannot allow these things. Little things can build up into soon into mighty things and we lose our focus. And then once we lose our focus, we cannot drop down. So here, our Holy Spirit is with us. I want to tell you a couple other things. You know, when Jesus Christ 
when we were made, Psalm 139, verse 13, he says, he has fashioned us. Here, he fashioned us our intricate, you know, from inner parts. So how, I will tell you some things that you have perhaps never heard. When a baby is to be born, let's say the baby is going to be born today. But you know what God has to do to make sure that baby is born today? He has to first find the baby's parents. All right? So that is two people he has to find in order to bring this baby out today. In order to find those two people, he has to find two sets of parents to bring those two people together. In order to find those two sets of parents, he needs to find four sets of parents to bring those two sets. If you keep on multiplying that, doing the permutations and combinations, we don't know where we end up. You know, the Ancestry.com or 123, whatever these places, perhaps they can go five generations, ten generations. But we know, did you know you and I are a gazillion generations from Adam? Because Adam is the only one that was created by God to begin with. And through him, we are all our genealogy. We are coming through him. And you know how much labor that God has to put in each of us to bring that baby today. But what happens is, if that baby, if someone decides, I'm going to kill that baby. Or I'm not going to bring that baby to see the daylight. And you know, all that work that God started, he who started, that began a good work in us. His work is ended abruptly here. And that, what happens is, his kingdom becomes, you know, you know, stumbles. Because heaven is in shock. Heaven is in shock. And then not only that, let's say the baby is allowed to grow the next 20 years. And he, the baby goes into an adult baby. Right? I'm just calling him an adult baby. Then he, the baby decides, alright, I don't feel like being a man and I'm going to be, you know, something else. God ordains each person according to his likeness. Not my likeness or our likeness. His likeness is how I am in this world. Because that's what we are. Because, and then when you see at the age of 20, that person is turning into something else. You know how much it grieves our living God? We never understand these things. Because the, our always longing is looking for needing of fleshly things. I don't have this. I don't have that. Job. Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, verse 33. So we have to seek his kingdom first. Jesus came in the beginning, you know, when he said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, I did not come to bring peace, but he, he came to bring a sword to separate between a son and his father and a daughter from his, her mother and a mother-in-law, uh, daughter-in-law from the mother-in-law. You know what he did was he tried to separate us from the flesh, the fleshly needs and fleshly wants. He wants us to see, enjoy the kingdom that he has prepared for us. That is what, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness of God is. Because on that day when Christ was suffering, when he said, in John chapter 19 verse 30, he said, when he said it is finished, he accomplished the purpose for which he was sent. And Jesus did not just show up one day and said, okay, I'm going to sit on the cross. In order for this to happen, God planned. Way, 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 you know, even before the foundations of this earth. Just like you and me were called, you know, he foreknew us. I was telling you last week, Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 4, he says, he foreknew us before we were formed. So, he knows us how we were. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, he says, before I formed you, I know you or I knew you. You know, our God is a God, he knows the end from the beginning. You know, he's Isaiah 46, verse 10 says, he knows the end from the beginning. Revelation, 1, uh, Revelation 22, verse 13 says, he is the 
Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. So there is nothing that is hidden from his eyes. And he especially, if we become his children, he is always on the lookout. He is watching closely our moves. Even when we blink our eyes, he wants to know why we blinked. That is the nature of our living God. He wants to keep a close tab on his children. Because as many as received him to them... He gave them the right to become the children of God. John chapter 1 verse 12. So if he is the one who is giving us the right to become his children, how ought to be? We have to live in a strict discipline. Let's go and check out the army, the people living in the army. They cannot just fiddle with stuff. They will be debarred. You know, they, they will be bored out. They will be sent home taking a disciplinary action. That is what we are. We are the front lines. We are here to battle. We are in the front lines. We are called the army of the living God. And when we are, you know, we have these qualities within us, we have to expect, you know, great discipline as being Christians. And that is what it pleases our living God. You know, when we read the Gospel of John, you know, there are seven, eight I am's, you know. There is so many I am that, you know, because the next month, I think there are some other, my, my fellow uh, elders uh, will be speaking on the uh, I am series. But uh, uh, whenever again, if I ever get a chance, I want to break it down and explain it to us in detail. Because you will not find these kind of details, you know, you know either in books or something. Because you, when we interact, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He will come to us. He will be our friend. He will enable us to speak to us. There are countless number of nights that I have spoken to the Holy Spirit. He will speak to me in such a manner he's going to open up. Yes, you all might think I'm a mad guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a whatever, psychic, whatever you think. That's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. You can think whatever you want. But when we have intimacy, when we develop intimacy with the living God, he's going to speak to us in a mighty fashion. You know, that is what our living God is. We cannot, you know, just live normal lives. Yes, we need food and drink. You know, as a matter of fact, in in, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 said, you know, know, do not worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. These things, the world people also, you know, ask. But ask, seek the things that are hidden from you. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, do not store up your treasures. Where wrath and uh, uh, rust and moth destroy, but store up your treasures where there's nobody can reach out to you. This is where our Lord is. So to close in the the analogy here, the rope is our Holy Spirit, the anchor is our Lord Jesus Christ, the high mountain is our Father. So they are all one because when you see, they are all on the mountain. They're all on the mountain. But as a believer, our job is to cling on to the rope and focus only on the top end. When we reach to the top end, that is where we meet Christ Jesus. When we see Christ Jesus, he's going to greet us and he's going to introduce us to the Father. Which kind of sounds, you know, it's all, you know, it's hard to imagine. But that's what it is. Because we serve a mighty God. He's so powerful. In closing, I want to tell you one thing. Did you ever realize the power of our God is so much that this earth that we are sitting here today, it is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. That means in a day it completes 24,000 miles an hour. You know, but God does not allow us to shake. You know, we don't feel a thing. We are still revolving. The earth is spinning on its own axis at 1,000 miles. But not only that, the earth spins, orbits around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. Did you ever understand this 
beyond comprehension. We're spinning. And then in a day, it completes 1.6 million miles to reach one, you know, you know, one rotation. I'm completely blown away. This is the God that we serve. He placed the sun at 92 mi- million miles, which gives us enough heat, actually extra heat, now as we go out. You know, and somebody from the church, I met last week, and they said they are going to visit the Death Valley. I said, take some eggs with you so that you can make omelets on the street. Because it's going to hit like 125 or 130, who knows, whatever. But, but, but you have to understand the power and nature of our living God. He does not allow even our foot to stumble. That's what it says in Psalm 91. Our God is a great God. Our God is a loving God. He does not want to leave us. He says in the Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How can we allow ourselves to leave him while he's saying he's not going to leave? You know, one other thing I want to tell you, I know I'm, um, I, um, is about the wedding. Y'all, many of you are married. You know, many of you are married and some of them are looking to get married. But one thing I want to tell you, highlight this is, I don't know this, but I will tell you this, how to explain. When two people, a man and a woman, a bride and a bridegroom are together, and the minister is standing and he's reading all this, and then when we say, the, when the groom says, I do, it is faster than the blink of an eye. You know what happened at that time? The bride, he, he inherited the bride 100%. No holds barred. And when the bride said, I do, it is faster than our eye blinking, the groom inherited the bride. So you can have your honeymoon a year later, doesn't matter. The heaven recorded at that point when you said, I do, because you have prepared your heart to receive that bride on that day by just saying two words, I do. And you received the bride, inherited the bride 100%, not 95, 94, 60 or something. The same thing happened to the groom. Uh, the bride, she received the groom 100%. That is the spiritual reality of when we, at the time of repentance, all we do is, yes, Lord, I receive you. That's it. The heaven records. So there is a great resemblance. That is why in Hebrews 13, verse 4, it says, the writer said, marriage is honorable in all. And in Malachi 2, verse 16, God said, I hate divorce. He doesn't want us to be separate from him. Once we said, I do, it is faster than the blink of an eye. We are belong to him 100%. So does Christ. His Holy Spirit belongs to us 100%. So we instantly become the temple of the living God. So does. That is why, if, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed and new things have come. So we have to understand these are all spiritual matters. We have to focus on these things. We have to pray about these things. When a pastor in China gets arrested in an underground church, we don't know, but we are hurting the church. Advancement of his kingdom is hurting. In an Africa, if a Muslim converts to Christianity, that Muslim pastor is put to death. We have to pray for that persecution. There are so many things that we can pray for. Many times we enter into the presence of the Lord and say, I have nothing today, Lord. I have nothing. Amen. Go to bed. That, that's not way. There are many, many things God wants us to pray for. Because we are here with a passion. Christ had a passion on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not. Let's bow down.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, your Holy Spirit is such a powerful person who has feelings just like us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending him. And he is living inside of us. As it says in Galatians 2 verse 20. I no longer live. But Christ inside of me lives. He is the one who directs my life Lord. I fall prostrate on my knees. Lord for the opportunity that you have given to me. And for you have the opportunity that you have given to each fellow members. Lord we thank you. For enabling to understand what it means to forgive one another. Father, we understand what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Jesus, from this day onwards, help us to lead a, help us to, to lead a life pleasing unto you, Lord. For you are our maker. For you are our potter. We are just the clay. The clay has nothing to say, Lord. Mighty God, from this day onwards, from this point onwards, we surrender our lives to you, Lord. We pray that we may feed the 5,000 or the 10,000 or the million people through your gospel, Heavenly Father. Jesus, use us for your glory. We know that you are coming, Heavenly Father. According to Acts chapter 10 verse 42, You will be the judge of the living and the dead. Father, once again, if there is any iniquity in our lives, in our thoughts, in our walk with you, Heavenly Father, please forgive us. Let the blood that was shed from the cross cleanse us. Because we are your purchased possession. Mighty God, thank you for engraving, engraving Our names in the palm of your hands in Isaiah 49 verse 16. Jesus, bless these men and women and the children. Lord, in their walk with you, let them give their lives and surrender their lives. Father, these things I ask in the most blessed and holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.